Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. When will I know I'm a man? Your mom and I will tell you. Judd Zolgad. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I just missed the game and um, just felt like I could still do it at, at, uh, at least at this level. I think I can do it at the higher level if I can get healthy. Uh, but just missing the game and, and maybe getting back and uh, proving that I can do it still. Can you do it? Can you feel like you can? Yeah, I know I can. I know I can. I just need my focus is just to get healthy. Everything else I can do. That was Rafael Palmero. Wasn't healthy enough to play last night. He's 53 years old, and uh, the Saints are going to play one more game. Uh, what's his minor league team's name again? I keep forgetting. The the Hammerheaders? The Railroaders. The Railroaders. The Claiborne Railroaders. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the famous Railroaders. Brian Murphy writes about sports for TwinCities.com and the Pioneer Press. He's a friend of the show. Uh, shocked to hear off the air that Rafael Palomero scoffed at your steroid question, as if that isn't a question that should be asked at every stop that he makes along this uh, international tour that he's on. I was very close to basically saying that. Like, why else are we here? <laughs> right, I mean, like, like, how can he not expect... First of all, if he's going to play in the major leagues at age 53, guess what he's going to have to be on? Some sort of steroid that bulks him up and keeps him healthy. So... Yeah. Well, in his mind, he thinks if he can prove his way and earn his way back at 53 to the major leagues, which is beyond a long shot, uh, that will prove to those people who thought he cheated that there's no way he could have taken steroids. Look what he's doing at 53. He's actually trying to flip that argument on its head. I have no idea how it's going to work for him. Hmm. Have you ever seen a more delusional group of people than, than these steroid guys, Murph? And it's not just oh, this guy. It's Palmero. It's Sosa. McGuire at one time for sure, if not now. It just seems like they are they're they're in this club of they cheated and they are completely delusional when it comes to the fact they cheated. Bonds, Clemens, yeah. you can go down the list. I mean, when you think about it, they've done so much denying over the years. Although McGuire, I believe, has come clean. He has now back into the game. But the, the other guys you mentioned have done so much denying over the years. It's like they've convinced themselves. You know, I mean, I don't know if you saw or read some of the the transcript or, or the comments that, that Sosa made to Jeremy Schapp at ESPN a week or two ago, but it was uh, it was comical. Um, asked direct questions about whether or not he used steroids. Um, he could not answer that question. And it's just another sense, you know, it, mea culpas go a long way in this country. They really do. We're a country that loves second acts. We love contrition. We love people falling on their swords and, and, and coming clean and maybe we'll give them a second chance. It may not get some of these people into the Hall of Fame, but it would certainly go a long way. Heck, even Pete Rose, after 20-some years of denials, 
for 15 years of denials, finally came out and said, yes, I bet on baseball. It's probably not going to help him get into the Hall of Fame after so many vehement denials, but I think at least it bought him a little bit more. Uh, finally, Pete, thanks for coming around to what everybody else knew. Uh, the steroid users are falling into the same trap. So, okay, you asked the question, right, yesterday? The steroid yes. question? So what, what was his reaction? He said, man, you're not really going to ask me that, are you? I just said, look, I just want to keep it on the record. And he said, yes. I said, I, I, the question was, you steadfastly maintained it was a tainted vitamin shot that triggered a positive test. Do you still maintain that today? And that's when he looked at me and said, you're not really going to ask me that. I think he thought it was a, are you still beating your wife type question. But to me, uh, that was the point. He's on a redemption tour. you got to be asked about it. Um, I just decided to ask him about it, and he was fine afterwards. He said, yes, it was a, it was a tainted shot. Um, so that's his story, and he's sticking to it. That's, some, that's like an amazing reaction to me, that you would that you would get defensive at that age and like Dave's wagging his finger. I mean, he went on national TV in front of, in front of uh, it was a Congress hearing, right? Congress. He went in front of Congress and wagged his finger, and five months later, he was popped. Exactly. It was, so it was five months later is when he got, when he, when he, it wasn't like, oh, a report came out, the Mitch report came out. It was five months later, a positive test. But he's, he's still trying to say B12. I mean, he still to this day hasn't come out and said, you know what, I did cheat. It was a B12 shot gone bad. I mean, that's how, that's what I'm talking about when, when I say that, that these guys, and I, I think you're, you're right, Murph, I think they have almost convinced themselves they didn't cheat when, in fact, they all cheated. Well, and, and what I don't understand is if you're going to come out on a, on a tour like this, which is a redemption tour, um, he even said, you know, in a question too, whether or not, and I asked him to say this question as well, was whether or not there was, some of this is about repairing your reputation. He says, no, no, no. I, 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 I miss the game. I love the game. But if that happens to be a part of the package, then I'll take that too. So in other words, he's shrewd enough to know that if, if he, let's say he gets a contract to play in double-A ball, and I can't imagine he's going to spend much time riding buses uh, for the sake of doing it at 53 years old. But let's say he does somehow get a contract or an invitation to spring training next year or some major league team takes a sniff at him uh, after you know they're out of the pennant race just maybe as a publicity stunt um, if he doesn't think that if he thinks that that's going to help him look better uh, than the lasting image we have of him which is him wagging his finger before Congress and saying he never took steroids and five months later getting suspended out of the game then he's going to take that of course he will Here's the interesting thing, and Brian Murphy's our guest, TwinCities.com, Pioneer Press. The interesting thing about his baseball legacy, because that the finger wagging and and the positive test ended his career. It was it was right at the end. He was 40 years old. So let's let's take that part away and let's just look at his 20 year chunk in the major leagues. He might be the most nondescript 500 plus home run. There's only a small handful of players who have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. So let's take away the steroid thing six. for a second. There's only six of them. Six players, including Palmero. He only made four All-Star games. He never won an MVP award. In fact, I don't think he ever finished top five MVP voting. He never led the league in home runs, never led the league in RBIs, never led the league in batting average, on base, or slugging. And yet, at the end of his career, he winds up with these gaudy numbers, somewhat overshadowed by other guys who played the same position, the Jeff Bagwells, the Frank Thomases the Mark McGuire types. I mean, steady, steady wins the race, right? He was very durable as a player. He played 20 years. And as you mentioned, these, 
he wasn't known for hitting bombs. He was the typical, you know, fence scraper type home run. But he he played a lot. He was never hurt, um, rarely hurt. Um, he claims he was never on the DL. I didn't go back and look, but uh, it's, you know, you put together 20 years of 140, 150-plus games with with at least steady production like that as a designated hitter in the American League later in his career, you know, you stack it all up and you look at it and you go, wow, look at that. That's Rafael Palmero. So, Murph, his stats aren't bad, but as you talk to him, and, and I, I know he didn't play it last night because of knee and hamstring problems, but as you talk to him and see this, do you do you uh, see this as being uh, pathetic, uh, sad? Like, how, how would you describe seeing a guy who, who at one time, at, at the top of his game, was one of the best players in the world now, at 53, playing for a uh, for an independent league team? I don't know if I find it pathetic or sad. I, I, I don't see that. I mean, look, it's it's independent ball, so he's not facing major league pitching, not even close. But he's hitting 293. You know, he's getting on base. He's not, I don't think, uh, a, a drag, per se, on the railroaders' lineup. I mean, they're a losing team from Nowhereville, Texas, so it's not exactly, it, it's not like he's preventing somebody else's dream from coming true. He's getting a chance to play with his son, who's 28, uh, who's obviously not going much farther on the major league, uh, on the minor league circuit, either, um, you know, he looks great. I mean, he looks he looks extremely fit. Um, you know, but he's as he's bemoaning these things. You know, he must have said five or six times. You know, I passed every test except one, and that's staying healthy. And so therein lies the rub. I mean, you're 53 years old. You can be in as great a shape as you want, but to play the game of baseball on a daily basis and keep your knees and your hamstrings uh, healthy enough to stay on the field. That becomes tough at 35, 36, let alone 53, no matter what level you're playing at. So in some ways, I think he's a bit, never mind the denial about the steroids, he's in denial about whether or not as a 53-year-old man, no matter how great a physical shape he might be in, the mm-hmm. game just, father time does not spare anyone, even somebody as talented as Rafael Palmero was. What would entertain or intrigue you most in September? Rafael Palmero in a major league game or Tim Tebow in a major league game? Oh, I take Tim Tebow right now. I mean, he's got more. It's the Tebow experience, is it not? And plus, you know, you can make an argument what he's doing in the Mets organization. He's earning himself a shot. Rafael Palmero at 53 becomes a novelty act. I don't think Tebow, I think the novelty act on Tebow might be wearing down a little bit, especially if you consider the Mets. It's New York. They're going nowhere. He's playing well at double A. It's perfect for September, Murph. Doesn't exactly, uh, yeah, it doesn't exactly lend itself to being just a novelty act. And I'll say this about, um, Paul Merrow. He, uh, you know, he's hitting well now, but I, I, I can't imagine seeing him, you know, the last player to play in the major leagues above 50 years old was Minnie Minoso when he had two pinch hits for the Chicago White, two pinch hitting appearances for the Chicago White Sox in 1980. And that was a novelty act. That was a that was a stunt, so that he could play. I think in his sixth decade because he started yeah. playing in 1949. That was more, you know, Bill Veck showmanship than I think anybody's going to take a chance on Rafael Palmeira. He just doesn't have the uh, the cachet, the personality that Minoso did, and I don't think he's got the needle moving ability that Tebow does either. I'll say this about Tebow: so that dude you mentioned, he's he's playing Double A Binghamton right now. So that dude basically hasn't played baseball until a year ago. Outside of high school, right? I mean, he played high school baseball in Florida, and then he went and played quarterback at the University of Florida. And he's batting two seventy in professional baseball at Double A against against pitchers that are 
at some point going to be major league pitchers. I mean, if you're if you're in rookie ball, that's one thing. He's in Double A batting two seventy. I think that's an accomplishment. Having taken a ten year hiatus from baseball and haven't faced anything over high school pitching, that's pretty impressive athletically. And we what the you know we know what the buzz would be for that. And it's not as if the Mets are contending, you know, and it's going to wreck their pennant chances. They're going nowhere. Um, and it's in, I would love to see that just in New York. I would love to see that phenomenon in in September with Tebow and and in. In a Mets uniform, and you know it might actually force ESPN to go with a baseball story to lead off instead of football. Can you can you imagine the post if Tebow gets called up? Back page of the post would be nothing but Tebow and Mets, Murph. Yeah, I thought you already had uh, some headlines picked out. Oh, I could. I can't. No, I'm not that good. I'm good, but I'm not that good. No, it, they would be yeah, out. He'd be a, they'd be a tabloid sensation, oh, no question. It'd be outstanding. Jed writes headlines every day for 1590 ESPN. Not New York Post like. Well, that's those hammerheads are elite. All right, All right Murph. Good stuff, Murph. Thank Thanks you. For the Palmero hey, update. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. See you. All right. I love that Murph is the. He's always the one to ask the uncomfortable, tough question every yeah, single time because he covered cops and yeah. he doesn't care. If you're Rafael Palmero, how can you be taken aback by a steroid question? Especially, you're going around, you're riding buses, and now you're in a major league town. You're not always in major league towns because you're playing indie ball. You're in a major league town. Yeah. People know your history. Yep. I mean, people know your history in small towns, too. But to be taken aback by a steroid question, come on, dude. But you've got a certain level of uh, pompousness about you that, that we don't get. I mean, you you wagged your f- finger at Congress. And, but what I, don't, what I don't understand about this group of guys is what Murph said. Why didn't they realize a long time ago, you know what, being defiant is getting me nowhere. It's not going to get me in the Hall of Fame. People are still mad. If you look at the steroid guys who came clean and said, you know what, I did it. I cheated. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. And and maybe Look at how we forgave them so much more. Now, not completely, but more. And I guess you could even, you could throw yourself under the bus, but then throw the era under the bus and say, and uh, I can guarantee that 70% of my fellow hitters were also taking the same thing or something similar. But Palmero's quotes still seem very much like they did when he left the game in 2005, which is, how can you ask that question? How can you... Well, dude, you you cheated. And by the way, let's get past the B12 thing, too. Just come out and say, yeah, I did steroids. John Morosi coming in here from Fox Sports and MLB Network Yeah, with some twin speculation. Source, he just tweeted this two minutes ago. Brewers and twins have engaged in trade talks. For now, Milwaukee is more focused on the Minnesota infielders, Eduardo Escobar and Brian Dozier, than Lance Lynn, although the Brewers had talks with Lynn as a free agent last winter. Mm. Interesting. That, yeah, the Brewers really don't have a second baseman. That might mean they're, they're like missing a middle infielder, basically. Would that mean that, that they perceive themselves to be out on the Machado trade talks, maybe, and they've turned their attention to Dozier? Because well, you, yeah. you'd have to give up so much to get, get Machado, I'm sure. And he ain't re-signing with the Brewers. So it no, it's not. So it'd be a rent to Machado. Absolutely. Hmm. That's interesting. Though. Well, if the, the the Brewers have a legit chance, the Brewers, are they for sure need one more starting pitcher. And a middle infielder if they want to be in the same conversation as some of the other top teams around. National League's a little weaker than the American League. The American League has these ridiculous teams like Houston Yankees. Uh, but you could, if the Brewers added a couple pieces, they could go to the World Series. So th- that's the type of team that would maybe overpay a little bit for Brian Dozier. I like it. I've got it. Or Joe Maurer? Dozier to the Brewers for rights to New Glarus beer. So we spotted get to sell cow. It in Minnesota. Oh, we can bring it. Oh, what other New Glarus oh. brands are there? So Spotted Cow spotted would be... Cow, I just want Spotted uh, Cow. Oh, shoot. Uh, like Two Women or something. There's that good one. Moon Man's a very good one. Why, why can't... 
I'll take the spot. Why doesn't New Glarus distribute in Minnesota? Well, they're Wisconsin only. Just cross the river. And we'll give you Doge. Just cross the, bar, the river. Didn't a bar here try and, and sell it in, in the bar and got yeah, in huge it was a trouble? Spot in Maple Grove. And they got really cracked down on bad. It was, it by New Glarus? Out, uh, no, by, by the authorities, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a Maple Grove bar. They were selling spotted cow. They got caught, and the authorities came in, and they got in huge trouble. What's the? I don't understand. Is it a, a branding thing? Like we can only find uh, it in Wisconsin? I guess so. But David, right. David's on the right track here. That's a great idea. Thank you. What kind See of see qu- Doge? Bye. What kind of questions do you got next? Awesome ones. Cool. <laughs> really beer really related. Awesome ones. I've got one specifically about college football fans being absolutely stupid and insane. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Well, since we last spoke to you, audience, four minutes ago, the Twins have given up three runs. Lance Lynn actually wasn't a terrible pitch. It was 93 down out of the zone and in, and Salvador Perez well, cranks it for a three-run bomb. you say Salvi isn't an all-star. Yeah, Salvador Perez, hell of a player, and Polanco. I motivated him. He clearly listened to us on the way into the ballpark this morning. Dozier makes a great play, diving play, tries to start a DP, and he gloves the ball to Polanco, and Polanco proceeds to drop the ball. It nice a, work. It was a brilliant backhanded diving play. Dozier gloved to second base, and yeah. Yeah, he dropped the ball. Dropped nice so, nice work. So Twins down 3 nothing, one out, top of the first, and Lucas Duda almost just hit a home run, but it went followed by like Why five do you feet. bother shifting at this point? You stink. <laughs> just quit it. Play where you're supposed to play. <laughs> I love your disdain for this team. Yeah, this team makes me want to puke. They're, they're as unlikable as as much as I liked them last year. They're as unlikable this year. They really are. And then you got Lance Lynn, who's not going to power. because they're losing more, or you mean their personality? Their pers- the personality of this team Lance rubs, Lynn looks me, miserable. rubs me the wrong way at every turn. And then they always have these desperation rallies. And then Doge comes and tells us, don't, don't count us out yet. I'll count you out. You suck. Lance Berlin probably is miserable. He's overweight. He just gave up a three spot in the first inning. Oh, and it's like 90 degrees out. Yeah, and as we've mentioned a million times on the show, he could have been playing for the team he wanted to play for for $4 million <laughs> more, more if he had just accepted their qualifying. Other right. than that, Lance, how's the season? Hey, right. good news. Lynx are winning. They're up by like 20. Awesome. By 17 right nice. now, the minute to go on the third on the Indiana Fever. Getting some revenge. They should have beat them last oh, time. A week ago or so. Well, you should beat a team that's only won two games in the season. Yeah, yes, that's a good point. Thanks Thank for jumping to that one. Solid Chad. WNBA analysis from Chad Zogan. Always breaking it down, aren't you? Let's start with this one. Do you remember the story? It was, uh, I don't know, a month ago or so. Nick Saban took a bunch of Alabama football players out on his nice boat for a day on the lake, and they ended up stalled out there. Ran out of gas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Will Muschamp, head coach of the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, did the same thing. Great day on the lake. Hashtag go Cox as he's got photos of guys tubing, having a good time. Judge just flipped the bird to Brian Dozier. <laughs> that was Polanco, actually, because oh, they were they were shifted over to make the play. Polanco fielded a ground ball and, and Judge so flipped him the bird. It worked. <laughs> and Judge says, bleep you. Yeah. Quit shifting. 
play the rest of your games where you're supposed to play in your positions. Anyway, sorry. I feel like Judd's hangry right now. Will Somebody Mus- get Judd a sandwich. Will Muschamp. Okay, I'm sorry. So Will Muschamp sent out a bunch of photos on Twitter. He on, on the boat with his guys having a lot of fun on a lake. And he also sent out another one. Uh, hashtag had gas. As <laughs> they had gas, huh? A little, uh, got little it. poke the bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know Bama fans are standing up for their ball coach. At Tide Rolls 16. Hey, numbnuts, it was a fuel filter problem. There oh was gas. Oh, my God. Another guy, Thomas. South Carolina has never won anything in football, oh. so there is no reason to care what a lame cock thinks. Roll Tide! Hashtag oh, rings. That's good. Yep. Question. It's like Badger Fact. Badger fans and Packer fans do that all the time. Yeah. You know what? That's a really good way to, way to uh, go about this, Phil. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Worst fans ranking. Football only. You can go college and pro. Give me a top three worst or most annoying, however you want to define it, fans ranking. One, two. Number three. Um, Number three, probably Cowboys fans. I mean, they're just, I don't know. I would have said even even more so 20 years ago because they were much more on the Yankees level when they were winning championships in the 90s. But there's a certain obnoxious entitlement that Cowboys fans have, and that and that's fine. Let's get to the number here. Number two. Uh, number two, and, and, and you know, it's, it's actually tied for number one. Number one. It's Packers and Badgers fans. I lo- this is what I love, okay? This is how hypocritical Wisconsin football fans are. When Gopher fans bring up Championships from past generations. Oh well, that was what's what's that from like nineteen sixty, nineteen forty? But Packer fans will not hesitate for a split second to take credit for Vince Lombardi era championships that happened two generations ago in the nineteen sixties. How many championships do you have? I don't know. Like, but I guarantee if we had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for twenty five years, the answer would be more than two. Okay. Sorry, Love your defensiveness. So I'm, you break into the we. <laughs> if we had him, oh, I love right. it exactly. <laughs> the other thing about Badger fans specifically, <laughs> they they love the fact that they can dominate little brother Minnesota Gophers over here and little brother Iowa, and so they'll definitely they'll beat up on kid brother. But then there's other siblings. It's like there there's a family of nine siblings, and they love to beat up on little sibling Iowa, little sibling Minnesota, and it makes them feel like they're at the top of the sibling chain. Even though Alabama and USC and all these other top programs over the past several decades just crushed them historically. They get to a Rose Bowl and want to throw it in Minnesota's face and then TCU beats them, right? And then they it's like, no, we understand how futile Minnesota sports are and how bad the Gophers have been. No one's debating that. Also, you're not Alabama. So stop trying to be like Alabama. So I would say Badger and Packer fans are the most obnoxious and it's fun to needle them. They know they should have more than two championships the last 25 years. You never have a run of quarterbacks like they've had in Green Bay, ever. And they've botched it. They've only won two championships. Yeah, but how many do you have? I totally agree. Totally agree. The Vikings don't have any. But you've had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Yeah, and you've got it on us in college and pros, which sort of sucks. Okay, three for you. Yeah, three for me. Number three. This team is about to relocate, but... Oakland Raiders fans are among the most obnoxious. They'll beat you up. They'll talk trash. They're constantly drunk, which I can appreciate. 
but uh, <laughs> they're a dangerous crew, and they have no problems with bloodshed, so they're number three. Number two. I'm going to uh, agree with Phil and take his three and make it two. Cowboys fans, Texas fans, fans from Texas are obnoxious. They they uh, believe in some way, shape, and form that they invented football. And so Cowboys fans especially, though, overbearing. Number one. How soon we forget the week of buildup to the NFC title game. Oh. Philadelphia Eagles mm, football fans are the they are despicable human beings. They're not only... The thing with Wisconsin is they're drunk and dumb, but not as dumb as these people. The Philadelphia Eagles fans are legitimately... That hardcore group, at least, legitimately bad human beings. They are atop my list. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In oh, they're bad I would put them above the Cowboys for sure. I, I actually forgot about Eagles fans. They faded quickly in the last few months. Well, and how they, oh, man, they, they are just, they'll, they'll beat you up, they'll talk trash, and they're morons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a New Glarus clarification here. Charlie tweets in this from the New Glarus website. Why can't you get Spotted Cow or New Glarus beers in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. And they have a Q&A or a Frequently Asked Questions page on their website. Where can I get your beer at? And the answer is Wisconsin. Sorry about the limited distribution, non-Wisconsinites. There are only so many hours in the day to make beer, and we can only keep up with the local demand. However, we would love it if you would stop by our little gift shop and pick some up. So there it is. They just literally don't want to distribute outside of Wisconsin. They want to stay small time. I will be buying some uh, next m- Monday after our show to bring back to my refrigerator. You going to drive to Hudson and back or what? Well, we're, we're going to oh, be I there for our saying. show. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. For the uh, hockey alumni tournament. So you are going to drive to Hudson. So I will be yeah. in Hudson and I will stop at the uh, liquor store right across the border and pick up uh, probably 24 to 36. You should definitely get some for all of us. Oh, I'm sorry. I, nice my gesture. car, my car is not that big now. Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty. No, I'm sorry. Uh, expanded questions when we come back. Twins are down three nothing in the first inning. Brian Dozier on display for the Brewers. Speaking of Wisconsin, there's Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar to the Brewers trade rumors going on right now. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You know, it's it's just like his own reality show. Mackey and Judd. I love it. On 1500 ESPN. I feel like we have to wait for the hook here. There it is. Uh, twins threatened but couldn't score in the first inning. Down three to nothing. Brian Dozier warning track. Warning track That would have been out in Milwaukee, though. Yeah. That would have been out in true. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He'll enjoy it there. Don't worry about as much about wind pushing the ball back into play in that airplane hangar they play into. So, uh, those are the rumors. John Morosi from Fox Sports. I think he's still with Fox Sports. Maybe he's just MLB Network. He's now. floating Escobar or Dozier. Escobar or One Dozier or two, to maybe? Milwaukee okay. at some point. I I don't know if that's going to happen imminently or if they'll wait till the trade deadline. But those are the conversations. All right, Dave's got a couple more questions for us here. Expanded questions. On the show. Another one that comes from the world of college football. Air Force football. Head coach Troy Calhoun needed a new defensive coordinator. His guy left to join the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think it's a linebackers coach. Anyway, he was asked about uh, the search for a uh, defensive coordinator. And, well, you got a guy? What's what's the deal here? And Calhoun said, quote, I don't know if it's necessary, necessarily a delay. I've yet to see or a law or a law or an edict that says you must, as in, tell anyone who your new defensive coordinator is. 
As of today, that's what we've chosen to do. Wait, as in not tell anyone who his new defensive coordinator is. So this is the jumping the shark of secrecy in football. Correct. Okay. This is getting ridiculous. This is Jim Harbaugh not unveiling his roster until four days before the first game a year or two ago. This is that on steroids. <laughs> Just wow. ask Rafi Palmero. Wow. My question is, that is a ridiculous coach. There's a lot of ridiculous coaches, and there have been a lot of ridiculous coaches. Some good, some bad. So tell me the one coach, any sport, past or present, you would love to cover or have the opportunity to have covered if it was passed, and the one no interest for you. The one I would love to, co- I think, and and this would be for a year because I I don't think an extended period of covering this guy would be that enjoyable. But Belichick for a year, I'd love to watch Belichick for a year, and he would drive you crazy, and the amount of secrecy. But damn, the guy's smart. And I think if you covered him, you, you you could begin to see the sort sort of the sort of the genius that everybody tries to copy. You know, I'm going to be the next Belichick. No, you're not. So, I think Belichick for a year would be a really intriguing guy to cover. And I think if you paid attention, you, you'd pick up on stuff that would be interesting. The one guy I would have no interest in covering. Oh, that's a, such a long list. That is such a long. That is such a long. <laughs> Do you start list with the ones foot- you have? Covered? Well, I was going to say Chil- Childress. In retrospect, come on, Childress was Childress drove was fun, you crazy, man. but he was in- interesting. You know what? I'm going to pick a very generic guy here, but he sort of speaks to the football mentality, and and he's a big enough jerk. But you're like, you don't win games now. Late career John Fox, like like with the Bears, <laughs> yeah. John Fox just became an idiot, and and this was was a guy in Carolina, and initially for a while there in Denver who did have success, but like late career Bears John Fox, what are you even doing half the time? You have no clue. They're drafting a quarterback without you knowing, and yet you're trying to act like you're keeping secrets. They're keeping secrets from you. You're being a moron. So John Fox speaks to the type of coaches that think that they're smart and eventually fall off and you just have no respect for them. Yeah, there's all kinds of John Foxian type coaches that are just paint drying, you know, like Ron Rivera. Uh, well, and what was John Fox even doing at the end there? The whole the, I don't know. the joke was on John Fox. Yeah, there's all the, who's the guy um the Jaguars coach again. Um, what's his name? Doug uh, Marone. Doug Marone. Oh, the guy like guys that like Matthew that. Hates. Yes. But I would say uh, that I would uh, a prominent coaches that I would never want to be around or uh, or cover professionally or whatever. Bill Belichick would be the one for me because I disagree with you. I don't think you'd learn anything. I think you learn by watching their teams, but it's not like being around him every day as a fan or media member would bring really enlightenment to like why the Patriots are great. The guy that I would love to cover is Jim Harbaugh for a million different reasons. Did you see him sitting with one of his kids at Tiger Stadium or at Comerica sometime over the weekend? Uh, no. Full Michigan hat, sunglasses, glove on his hand. <laughs> of course. Khakis ready to roll. Khakis, yes, the nice. full getup, ready to roll. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he's just like, he's just so intense and always on. He's always on brand, right? He's always got the he's a Michigan man. He's got the glove at a baseball game. He's got the cleats on at practice, the cleats on during games. He's just super intense. And he's he burns everybody out within five hours. With but an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, right? Isn't that the line? Attack yes. each day. Yes, yep. Attack each day. <laughs>
So Jim Harbaugh would be mine. Let's get a jump start on next week where we really hit the boring sports time. When baseball takes a break, yeah, you got your derby on Monday. You got your All-Star game on Tuesday. And then you really got nothing sports-wise unless you care about the ESPYs Wednesday and Thursday evenings until the Twins resume on Friday. We don't even have a Lynx game. They play Wednesday at like noon, but there's not even a Lynx game at night Wednesday or Thursday. So... I ask you, sports fans, without any sports to watch next week or perhaps even this weekend, if you're going to check out on Twins if they lose today, what's a guy to do? What's a guy to do? How should we be spending our time without sports on TV in the evening, at least in local sports? Well, this is a good segue to something we haven't talked about yet today. It's like I planned it. It is. It really is. Look at you. Genius producer. The staircase is like net Netflix is uh, is always my go to for like just okay. There's no sports on, or even if there's sports on, and I'm just not interested in the Twins Orioles game tonight, I'm gonna binge something on Netflix. So I recommend binging something good on Netflix or binge, you know, go expand outside your sports palette. Talking specifically to Judd here, this is a chance for you to spend three days watching something that's not Law and Order. I got so hooked. I got. That's what I'm saying. Watching something that's not Law and Order. Right. I want to know about the staircase. I've never heard of it, and I have Netflix. Really? Oh, yeah. so I recommend watching the staircase for anyone who hasn't yet. And the original version of the documentary came out in 2004, right after the trial. But it's 13 episodes, and you're trying to figure out it's a, it's a it's full footage and coverage of like the the planning of a murder trial, and then the appeals processes, and you're trying to figure out did this guy kill his wife at the bottom of a staircase? Or did she fall? And then they bring in another incident from 20 years before where a family friend, they lived in Germany, a family friend mysteriously died on a staircase. Oh. He may have been involved. And it's this brilliant look into it. You could watch it from three different perspectives. You could watch it like human interest. Did he do it? Did he not? Like the psychology of everyone involved. You could watch it. Um, I think the, the the vantage point that I like to watch it from again is a brilliant defense attorney coming up with counters for every possible piece of evidence and every plausible scenario laying doubt yes so if you're in, if, and if you're if you're just into like mystery drama I'm going to recommend this weekend, binge the staircase before sports pick up again now this isn't going to be like uh, was it making a murderer the big one a couple years ago? Yes. It's a lot like that. The one in Wisconsin, yeah. Okay, because yeah. that one I gave about an episode and a half, and I couldn't stand it. Because it was boring? or It was boring. The people annoyed me. I don't think you got far enough in. The people, are, the people are far less annoyed. So, they're not from Wisconsin this time, David. Yeah, they're not backwoods yeah. Scannies. No, they're not. I, I feel you on making a murder because you're dealing with, like, you're mad at the idiocy of the people. This, you're dealing with intellectual the, this is an author who i believe ran for office at one point like ran for mayor and had had political aspirations people with money and you're you're dealing with a brilliant defense attorney who's laying out all these different pieces of the case so it's like you're not going to get mad at idiots from backwoods wisconsin for <laughs> for 12 episodes but judd hung with it for at least some yeah some well don binged the entire thing and i joined in at some point in time during the trial uh, and watched quite a few episodes with her. It did. The the back end of it, to me, got a little bit long. Once the trial was done and they kept going, it got long. But it's, it's pretty good. I just, I would love to be able to step into these docks at times and say, okay, we're done now. The Keepers, which I binged, seven episodes, was perfect. Yeah. Because it gave you everything. It gave you everything that was pertinent and important. 
I think when, when you produce these documentaries, it gets to be a little bit difficult because you, you think to yourself, oh my God, this is so good. I got to get this and, and that, and that in. And you do get to a point uh, where it would help if, if you had a neutral party who watched it step in and be like, I don't think you need all, all of that. Uh, but yeah, I watched Dawn binged, um, making a murder as well. And I watched some of that and got bored. It's I, not I boring, you guys. I like, didn't you guys got to give making a murder get, a chance. I didn't get bored here. I, I didn't get bored here. I, I think the production of this and the storytelling is better. Um, making a murder is, is like making a murder. You didn't. You got to give it the, the ten episodes, wherever it is. It's not boring. If you give it, if you give it the whole thing, a it's lot not of boring. commitment. Let's I've go seven episodes maximum you, from if, now on. How okay, about that? If you love Law and Order but don't like Making a Murder, there's a disconnect. You got to give it a chance. Law and Order is the driest I show got- on TV. I got Whoa, bored. Fighting words. I got it is. Fighting like, I, words. Wait, 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 I, it's wait, a good wait. show, but got, it's super dry. I got, like, I got bored with the same thing Dave did, though. The backwoods scanny's got pretty <laughs> tiresome. I mean, these, the, yeah. The staircase. The staircase. I believe has a lot more intriguing principles. Now, some of it gets dragged out too long, and by by the end, I began to roll my eyes and didn't care as much. But the meat of the staircase yeah. to me has really intriguing people. I, and making a murderer had intriguing crazies, but it got tiresome. We're talking about a group of people that instead of getting their new Glarus or their Lining Kugels, we're making moonshine, okay? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's unacceptable. I agree with that. It, it was that's frustrating. Like this Brendan Dassey. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're, right. Yeah. And this is, and the, the staircase, what, what I liked about that, about that is it's a lot of pretty intelligent people. And seeing how, how the law worked in that case to me was interesting. Yeah, the, the the I think the the other overriding theme, and I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but it's this this notion that you no longer apparently have to prove that someone is guilty. You just have to sort of imply that someone is guilty, and well, juries might be swayed. Keep and there's that dynamic too, where the defense is coming. It, it's a brilliant defense, and they keep coming up with theories, and they come up with you know uh, ways to refute the prosecution. And um, it's a it's this cat and mouse game back and forth, and they'll show you so the reason why it's thirteen episodes is because they'll literally show you like thirty straight minutes of a court Q and A back and forth, but but a juicy part where it's back and forth. Or they'll they'll show you the experiments where they're trying to figure out how someone could have died in a staircase, and it's I don't know, it's a little bit it's a little bit dry sometimes, but it's also it's gripping. Prior bad act should not be able to be introduced into court is my opinion, but that's just my professional opinion from years of watching Law, Law and Order. Order. Okay? Clearly, yep. Dun, dun. No more. Don't you go can't do it. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. You gotta act excited. You got a gift. You gotta act excited, but some of you are going... What are we going? On 1500 ESPN. Get your tickets now for X Games in Minneapolis. The X Games returns to U.S. Bank Stadium July 19th through the 22nd, featuring four days of the world's best action sports music and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet competing for medals and prize money. Musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed, and X Fest and the X Fest Interactive Village. Tickets start at just 20 bucks. For more details, go to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Twins still down 3 nothing in the bottom of the second inning here. 
little three-run home run by Salvador Perez in the first inning off Lance Lynn. And after, that's after you at. ripped him for a whole segment on today's show. It's true. That he wasn't an all-star. He went yard on you. I stand by it. Despite the fact that he went yard off Lance came, bleeping Lynn. Because it came against Lance Lynn. Congratulations. That's, that's, a, compelling, Lance that's Lynn. a compelling case, counselor. Uh, Lance Lynn would give up home runs in town ball games this season. Uh, okay, one, one more thing off He's our... He's in worse shape than most town ball pitchers, yeah? He is. Uh, off our... Okay, I was explaining this to you guys during the break. Just one thing off the staircase, which... Dave's question was, what should sports fans watch this weekend? No no baseball once we get through the weekend. All-Star... We've got like three days where there's nothing going on. And uh, we've we've... You and I have dove into the staircase on Netflix. So the story is... Uh, did this guy kill his wife at the bottom of a staircase? And we don't know. It's all defense versus prosecution. They're trying to figure out with evidence, like, did she fall down the steps? Did he bludgeon her? And there's this third theory that sounds ridiculous, but it's been making the rounds on the Internet called the owl theory, mm-hmm. that apparently owls will attack people sometimes. Owls with their talons and or claws or yeah, whatever you call can them. Be, they can be mean. Is yeah. this in the documentary or it's just on the internet? It's just it's, viewer it was, speculation. It was briefly alluded to in the last episode where the 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 genius defense attorney is saying, we don't, it, it's our job, it's not our job to prove that he didn't do it. It's our job, that's the, the prosecution's job is to mm-hmm. prove that he killed her. It's our job to create reasonable doubt. So we don't know how she died. She either was, we think she fell down the steps, short of something with large talons, like he alluded to, like something with large claws coming down, and that's all they referred to in the episode. So basically, we're talking about reckless yes. speculation. And, yes. And I'm looking at a story here, and it did not come up once at trial. So it's now it's now yeah. being floated as a, pa- a plausible. Well, if he didn't do it, what did it? He wi- the, the defense attorney says he wishes that they would have brought this theory up in court because it would have. So she had seven lacerations on the top of her head, but no brain trauma. And so the 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 prosecution saying, well, he beat her with something that was light enough to cause blood, but not heavy enough. Or heavy enough to cause blood, but not too heavy that she would have brain trauma, and uh, and with the seven large sort of lacerations, people are saying, well, owls will attack people at night sometimes, and they'll come down and they'll they'll bloody you up. If you brought this up at trial, you would then have to likely present uh, an expert testimony witness to explain yes. the the theory. Yeah, bring in somebody from the Raptor Center for sure. You and you would do that too. I yeah. Mean, it's, that would be a gong show. <laughs> can, you ima- can you imagine that? I call Henry the Owl to the stand. Hoot, hoot, hoot. How many people have you killed, Henry? <laughs> and how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> One. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Three. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I can't wait for training camp to start, FYI. Hey, Mr. Mankato, we could fire up Mr. Mankato sometime soon here. We yeah. need, we need, we're going to need the resident odds maker, That's Chris right. Long. And for people wondering here, because we're only, what are we, like two or three weeks away from training camp starting? Uh, resident Ooh. odds maker, Chris Long, I don't think has started this process, but I'm sure we could get him uh, in the mix. And we are still going to call it Mr. Mankato. Yes, we're not going away for that. It's not going to be Mr. Egan. There's no way we're going to change the name. It's Mankato. Yeah, 13 days from rookies reporting. I think on the 
fourth, and yes, then the uh, veterans on the twenty seventh. Yep. So it's we'll two to... weeks, baby. I know it is. I know it is. Before we start breaking oh, down here. the nickel package, you know what though? This is the flaw in the football schedule. We, it, it's it's a mind trick where you think, oh, football is here, end of July. It's exciting for like two days, and then you realize, oh, they're just going through special teams practice and walkthroughs for the next month. Sure. And the preseason games don't really start for another several weeks. Yeah, the first preseason we got a kicker game, battle. it's a false know. start. Listen. Yeah, we do have a kicker listen, battle. Listen, we've got a horse bleep baseball team. <laughs> we've got a hockey team that's not even tweaking like they promised to. And we got a basketball team that's basically done one thing. Well, Anthony Tolliver, what do you mean? I know, that's the one thing. He does two things. At least they're Three in fighting. Andy. Continue fighting. Jimmy, Tibbs, do something today. Uh, we should. That's the next Judd Athlete Challenge. We're going to unleash an owl in a dark room with Judd and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs>